What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Mia Lurie, and welcome to the world's weirdest podcast starring me, okay? Just me. And I hope you all have, like I said, had an amazing week, and I hope you all are ready for this intro into the world of weird. If you're new here, and if you're not, and you're a part of the family, welcome home. Today is a little bit of a pretty cool day because I, we as a family have celebrated one whole year of podcasts. Do you hear me? I didn't even realize how long it's been, how time has flown. Um, We are on season number four. We have been here an entire year. Very first episode was aired on November 1st of 2021. Super excited um, about that. And so also in light of celebrating a year here with y'all in the world of weird, I also want to give y'all some stats that I think is absolutely phenomenal. Um, Right now, okay, 90%, okay, listen, 90% of the family is here in the United States of America. And that might not mean nothing to you, but that also means that there's a whole 10% of our fam that is from outside of the country. Do you hear me? That is... When I tell you that's amazing, that's amazing. I never thought in my life that it would stretch this far. The second country that is runner up, 8%, okay? So 90 is the US. 8% of the remainder 10 is in Germany. Y'all people are part of the fam that's in Germany. Listen. Okay, Germany is in the house. And then the rest of the countries that we are, that we got family in is Costa Rica, um, the United Arab uh, Emirates. We have Kenya, Bangladesh, Malaysia, Japan, and Brazil. Y'all, we are nationwide. This is so dope. Super, super excited. Now this next statistic, actually surprised me a little bit. 47% of the population that's a part of the fam based on gender are males. Y'all, y'all men out here listening to me. Hey, welcome to the family. And then 33% we have females and then we have non-specified at 13%. And then our nine, our non-binary fam bam at 7%, y'all. That's just the gender breakdown. Um, and then it kind of they give us age. Um, and so the biggest age population that listens to us um, or to me is the 28 to 34. Um, so listen, I wish that I could tell you I, I could express to y'all in a number of words that how grateful I am of all of the support and love 
um, and just everything that y'all have been given your girl since day one. Um, and we're here. Okay. We're here to stay the family. We're not going nowhere. It's just all about growth and up from here. Um, so cheers to one year down cheers to this upcoming year and, um, to see what the world, what the world of weird has to offer. And let me tell you, there are some things on the horizon, um, that are getting ready to blow up and blow our minds, yours as well as mine. And they're my ideas. So if they're my ideas and they're going to blow my mind, just imagine how you'll feel. Anywho, um, I just wanted to let y'all know, give a little intro to today on, um, a little bit of celebratory note, right? And so um, today's episode, it was a special request um, by one of my, he's like a brother, a little brother from another. I love him to death. Do you hear me? Um, and even though he is a grown man, <laughs> he is my baby, okay? That's my baby. And I will... I will, I will hijack, I, I won't, I'm not going to say that. I will, I will send some people home to the maker behind that, that young man right there. Anywho, um, little shameless, not so shameless plug. His name is Keith Anthony. Um, he is a music artist. You can go search him up. He is super dope. Um, right now I'm so proud of him. He's in Florida right now going to school for his art. Uh, so I'm super excited about that. But if you want to listen to him, um, he is on all uh, streaming music, streaming platforms. Um, and his name is Keith Anthony. Okay. Keith, K-E-I-T-H. And Anthony is spelled A-N-T-H-O-N-I. Not a Y, but with an I. Go look him up. Go follow him. Go download his music. Um, you can also uh, catch him on the gram and his handles is the real Keith Anthony. Um, the real Keith Anthony. It's not the real Keith Anthony. It's just real Keith Anthony. Okay. Anywho, this episode topic was a request by him. Um, so here we are. Uh, so today I'm going to give a little bit of of a journey on my, um, I, the title that I put that I'm giving this episode is my Jesus journey. Okay. Um, the evolution of my faith. Dang, I came up with that. Sheesh. Okay. So my Jesus journey, the evolution of my faith. So it's going to be kind of like how I got to the place where I am now spiritually. Okay. For a little bit of background context, your girl was born and raised in church. When I tell you born and raised in church, the only thing that would have brought me closer is if my mom conceived and gave birth in the church. You, you dig? Okay. Uh, baby, I've been in church all my life all of my life, even through all of my heathenist times, I never stepped away from the church. So I've been in church my whole life and I am, I am, um, a pre-K. So, um, my mom is not, um, 
in really like any leadership, but my, my father was a minister. Um, and also my godparents, um, that, you know, kind of helped raise me, um, have always been in leadership. My goddad, he is a pastor, um, and has been a pastor for some years now, um, which obviously makes my godmother a first lady. So I have been raised kind of in the realm of PK-ishness. Okay. So, um, that's that. So one of the things that I think, uh, makes, and everybody's journey is, is unique. So I'm not going to say, um, it's not, but there is kind of a base line story that people usually go through, especially when you're PKs. Um, luckily my like biological father is not a pastor. So I didn't have that particular, um, side of the story. Uh, but a lot of like PKs that I know, obviously they're like mom and dad are pastor and first lady. Um, so, so that's kind of that. Anywho, um, as I grew up, I grew up in church, like I said, and I never really had any issues, right? Uh, a lot of the things that happened once I got older, um, oh, also, not only was I raised in church, but I, I grew up in a, um, a Christian, a, like a Christian private school too. So it's very much full circle. Um, there was some, um, public school kind of sprinkled, sprinkled in there until I got to high school and in high school, it was full fledged public school. Um, but, uh, my life was cool as a kid going to church didn't really affect me because that's really all I knew. Um, and it really didn't bother me because I didn't really question. I never had a point where I questioned my faith. I never questioned why we were in church so much. I never questioned really anything. Um, so growing up in the church was really never an issue. There were some things once I kind of got, got older that I kind of paid attention to, but it was whatever. We just kind of, it just was what it was for me. Um, being the baby of the family, I also, uh, just was sheltered and was taken care of. So a lot for me, it almost seemed like I grew up blinded, so to speak. Um, because I didn't really, there wasn't <laughs> like, there wasn't a whole lot I had to worry about. You know what I mean? Um, did I make mistakes? Yes. You know, did I get in trouble as a kid? Yes. You know, just, I was a child, but when it came to just kind of life in general, um, <clears throat> I, I really, I, I was sheltered. So as a kid, I didn't really have any issues as far as like church goes, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and, and there really wasn't, I really didn't, there wasn't like an evident double standard that I saw. So it wasn't, I didn't have the experience of like my mom being, um, my mom being, one way in church and then one way at home. 
Um, I saw, I did see that with my dad a little bit, but at the time, what he was doing, I had seen in a lot of different places. So like my dad, so my dad smoked cigarettes and, um, when I was around, he didn't drink real heavy. Um, I don't ever remember him drinking like liquor. He used to drink these beers. Um, and he would tell me that they were non-alcoholic beers, but in fact, they were not non-alcoholic. They just had a very low percentage of alcohol in them. Um, but that wasn't uncommon for me to see in the church. So did I question it? Yes. But did it really turn my perspective away from like, did it put a big wedge in my perspective perspective when it came to church? Not really. There were other things that made me question stuff, but I felt like a lot of it had to do with the kids that I was around at that time. And just the fact that our upbringings were very different. So once again, never really had any experiences that made me sit back and be like, so why do you act like this outside of church? But then in church, you're a completely different person. Like you're living a double life. I never really had that, had that experience. So anywho, growing up, getting into um, adulthood, whatever, um, at about 20, I would say about 20, yeah, about 20 years old. Um, I started to go to a different church than my mom. So no, I take that back. I, there was a church that I had gone to. We have a family friend that has been around for forever. Um, and they used to go to this church and had been at the church for a super long time. Um, and so that church had a real big youth and young adult, um, population. So I would go there for like their youth and young adult nights, um, and then occasionally I would go to church with my mom. Now, at this time, I had already had like an encounter with God once. Uh, I really, I kind of, I knew who he was, but I didn't, I, I don't think that I can say I completely had a personal relationship with him at this point. Um... I don't think I, I, I don't feel like I can say that. Uh, so <clears throat> I knew who he was, you know, went to church all the time, prayed, worship, hallelujah, thank the Lord. Had, I felt, I can say I had moments where I did encounter God and, you know, the Holy Spirit, things like that. But if it came down to it, baby, I'm still banking on mama prayer. Okay, prayers from mom. I'm I'm at that point. Um, there was a moment where um, when my daughter was born, her ears, there was too much fluid in her ears for them. So she didn't, if you don't know, when babies are born, they do like a vision, like a hearing test. And she did not pass the hearing test the first time. So at that point, my mom was like, you need to pray and talk to God for yourself. Like, this is the point where you need to. And I heard what she said, but it didn't make no difference to me. So that was that. So I go on um, and yeah, so that was, I mean, that was really what that was.
it wasn't until I became 24. Now, this was when I had moved um, uh, to San Diego, <clears throat> moved back to San Diego from home. And I was 24 years old and I was like, all right, um, I need to, you know, I need, well, by habit, I was like, I need to find a church because, you know, church was a check in the box. Like you don't not go to church. So, um, so that was that. And so I was like, let me try and find a church. My godparents were in San Diego at the time too. So I was, you know, I'll just go to church with them. The church was cool, but I knew the church wasn't for me. Uh, but it was one of those things where I was like, I'm going to be here until it's time for me to find my own church. Now, <laughs> I will say this looking back, because shortly after my godfather was placed over a church and we had, he had started the church we were, we had, right. Um, but looking back. As the church host would say, looking back over my life, and when I think things over, <laughs> I am glad that my goddad started that church, um, or he was placed over that church because, baby, as a non-San Diego native, stepping into church scene in San Diego. Baby, I feel like I would have been eaten alive and would have had, and I'm going to be honest, I feel like I would have a very bad experience. I would have experienced church hurt. I would have experienced a lot because church in San Diego, black church in San Diego, baby, is the deep waters. Do you hear me? And there's a lot. There's a lot, a lot of threat swimming in that deep water. Okay. And if you can't maneuver, if you don't know how to maneuver, then honey, honey. Anywho, um, another thing at this time, so I did not grow up Kojic or Church of God in Christ, which is a denomination. Um, but my godparents uh, were a part of a Church of God in Christ church. And when we established, um, when my godfather did establish his church, it was underneath Church of God in Christ. Uh, I was not raised Church of God in Christ. I was raised um, under a different um, organization. But if it was to be placed under a specific denomination, I think it's Pentecostal. I think Kojic is considered Pentecostal. Not 100% sure, but whatever. So... Um, so, you know, that was that. Um, we had a, um, so we had started the church and I was just, I was under my godparents. So, like I said, shortly after they were at the church that I was start was with them at when I first got there, we were only there for a little bit of time and then we started our own church. The church really was more so kind of like family church because a lot of the a lot of the congregation was family, um, which is fine. And so through that, through that experience was when a lot of things started to happen. 
So um, one of the biggest things that changed for me, just kind of developing my relationship with God to what it is today. Uh, there were a lot of things that I knew, right? Grew up, I grew up very old school, you know, morals and all that thing, all that, all those things, good heavens, all those things were big growing up. So we were taught them. One of the things that I can say is I did not, I did not date a lot. Male entertainment was very scarce, far and few in between. Um, I never really dated anybody. So that it just kind of was what it was when I moved to San Diego and at the job that I was working at, I don't know what happened, but it just seemed like all of the men's, all of the men's single with a girlfriend, with a wife just seemed to find so much interest in me and I didn't know how to handle it. And so for the next three, four years. Okay. Your girl ended up in some very compromising situations. Um, and I'm not going to say knowingly and unknowingly because they were all knowingly. Okay. And it just is what it is being honest, being upfront. I got entangled with a gentleman that I should not have. Um, and that situationship lasted much longer than what it should have. But one of the things is um, at that time I was also dealing with, I kind of fell into this depression and I didn't know that it was a depression until years later when I had gone to therapy. Um, But um, I was dealing with this young man and I was having the time of my life. Um, And one of the things that I realized, one of the, one of the things that was happening, because at this time I was living in my own apartment, right? Away from home, moved away from home in my own place, being grown. So I started dealing with this young man and I realized that I was lonely and I had to understand, I, I kind of had to learn what, um, I had to learn that I had dealt with the feeling of loneliness for a long time. And I kind of had to figure out where it came from. And it was, and that was something that I had taken on as a kid. And so, um, so dealing with this young man, I made up in my mind one day that I would rather have this temporary moment with this young man than being completely by myself, even though I know I shouldn't do it. So after I had made it up in my mind at that point, I remember going to church one Sunday and I prayed. And that was one thing I can say, I always feared God. I I was all, I'm always scared of, always have had this level of fear of like, let me not come into God's house playing church because I, I don't want him to strike me down in the middle of a service because I'm out here fake shouting and crying and falling all over the place, knowing good and good well that I am in my flesh. So saying all that to say this, 
after I had made that decision that I was going to continue to deal with that young man, I went to church and I remember I sat in the back of the church that day. This is after my goddad had already started our church. Um, I prayed. Sure enough, I prayed. And I said to God, I said, listen, God, um, you know, you the big homie, you, you know, you the big homie. Uh, but listen, 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 listen real quick. I am not even going to sit here and play with you and ask you to forgive me of my sins. Because when I walk out this door, I'm going back to being a heathen and I'm going to go continue to do the same things. So I'm not going to pray and ask you to forgive me because I'm going to go sin again. And I was like, when I get, when I get ready, um, when I get ready, then I'll, 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 um, then we can, we can reconvene. Now I prayed that prayer not to leave the church because I didn't intend on leaving the church. I just knew that there were certain things that I wasn't going to do because of that fear, right, that I had. So I I was like, listen, Lord, I, I, I'm going to come. I'm going to come and I'm going to participate and I'm going I'm to be a part. There's just certain things I'm not going to pray about. And I don't think we really need to talk about because I'm I'm establishing I'm establishing what's up right now. So that way, you know, that I know that we both know that I'm getting ready to leave this church house and go back talking to my sneaky link and we're going to do what we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I dig. You dig. So I did that. And, um, and when I tell y'all, when I tell y'all, my sneaky link was good. Okay, my time with him was good when we had it. Okay, and we worked together too. Him and I worked together. Um, <laughs> so I saw him a lot. Uh, but shortly after, I will say, I wouldn't even say shortly after. No, <clears throat> I'll say shortly after, I began to fall into this, uh, into the depression that I had fell into. Um, and so there, you know, one of the things that I can say, I never walked away from God in that moment. Um, after I prayed that prayer, I still, you know, I still did what I did. I still participated. I still prayed, you know, but I I just, there was, you know, like I said, there was just a level of things that I just wasn't going to give up. Um, and that was dealing with this man. So, um, at the time I was in church, I was working and I was going to school, uh, also. So when I started to go to school, this, so I'm, I am progressively, okay. Let me just kind of paint this picture. Right. Um, after I prayed that prayer, I was on like a mountaintop, right. Um, and the mountaintop was pretty level for a little bit of time. And then there became, there began to be a, a decline in that mountain. Um, and it slowly, but surely started to rapidly progress downhill and I'm not walking, I'm rolling. Okay. I'm, I am rolling down this hill. Okay. And, and the, the hill that I'm on is my mental health. 
So I am progressively rolling down this hill. Now it had gotten to a point where I was, um, where I was, uh, um, it had gotten to a point where my mental was so bad that it really was starting to disrupt my day. And to be honest, it was disrupting my night too. Um, I didn't want to get out of bed at the time. My work schedule was a four, three, which means I worked 10 hour, I worked 10 hour shifts, four days of the week. And then three days we were off. So the three days that I was off, I would literally sit in my room in bed all day. I covered my windows and I never really did anything. I just kind of laid in bed half the day. Um, I rarely ate, you know, I showered when I needed to, but it was what it was. Um, then, then when I got into school after a point, so I, so just kind of timelining it right at this point, I have left the job that him and I were working at together. Um, I had left, which means that, um, him and I didn't see each other as often, um, at this point because I was at a different job. So just our schedules were, were funky, right? Um, they were, you know, It didn't match up well. There were certain things that we'd have to do, you know, whether he had to make a sacrifice in his schedule or my schedule for us to to be able to see one another. Um, So that's what that was. So, um, so like I said, we didn't see each other very often. Now I'm in school. So now this increasingly uh, downhill slope that I am rolling down um, is getting to a point now where it's affecting me in school. So I got to a point, I promise all of this is going to tie into my spiritual journey. Um, cause this, this is key. Like these are key moments that are going to, are setting the foundation. Right. So, um, so I remember at the beginning of one of the semesters, um, we had this little like retreat or whatever. And so I have been struggling mentally for a few days now. Um, I was struggling tough. And so we were in this class. And for whatever reason, this day, I was super emotional. I just wanted to cry. Like I hated, I I was at the point now where I hated the idea that I was dealing with this man. I hated the rabbit hole I had jumped down. I hated the fact that I'm in this position. How I was really at that place where I was like, how could you allow yourself to step into this position knowing good and darn well that you should have not been dealing with this man from jump? So, but at this point, emotions are entangled. Like we are here. We are deep. We are deep in it. Okay. We're deep in it. So that was kind of where we were. And so um I was um so we're in this retreat right we're in this retreat and i was super emotional that day i kept i was trying to keep myself from crying i wasn't as participating um i wasn't a active participant like i normally was um in class and so one we had this one lady come and she wanted to do (laughs) i laugh now but it wasn't funny then she came 
and wanted to do this meditation exercise. And I knew deep down in my soul of souls that this was going to be the fight of my life because mind y'all, I was, I was already emotional. I didn't want to cry in class because I was, I'm a thug. You're not going to catch me crying out in public. So she told us to, this was the exercise. Do you hear me? Um, so she told us to sit there with our eyes closed. She said, I want you to imagine you walk, you're walking into, um, a tree trunk, right? Like you're walking into this tree trunk and you're looking up. And she said, when you look up over your head, like you look up and there's this like ball of light that is over your head. Honey, when I tell you, I almost, I was like, ooh, don't do it. So, um, the thing about it was, so as we're, we're in this meditation session that she's doing with us, me and my classmates, um, I'm fighting back tears. I'm fighting back tears. Now the visual in my mind, right? I'm standing in like a real tall, was it like the oak trees? Real tall oak tree. I'm standing in the tree trunk, looking up at this ball of light. And I look down and I see like a dark corner. One of the things, I forgot where it comes from, but one of my professors earlier that semester had told us, there was a a quote from somebody that says, um, this might not be verbatim, but the quote was like, it takes more courage to... um, it takes more courage to look to shine light in the dark areas of your life than it is to be a soldier on the front line in battle. That quote kept ringing in my mind as I'm visualizing me standing in this tree trunk, looking up at the ball of light above me, but also paying attention to the dark corners of my life because I know exactly what's in that dark corner. And the fact that I know what's in that dark corner and I don't want to face it is what's killing me right now. And so I make it through the, I make it through. Okay. I make it through the exercise. We're done with this meditation exercise and we're doing some other things. One of my professors that's in the room realizes I'm not participating too heavily and he realized something's wrong. Um, So we're doing this other activity and I'm trying not to cry, minimal interaction enough to make it by. Uh, So then after that exercise, we all stop and we're in this like in a circle and um I was like, my professor started asking us questions, excuse me, asking us questions and wants us to answer these questions. And of course, I'm not raising my hand. And so he picks on me and I was like, yeah, you're going to have to come back to me, big bro. Like, it's bad for all of us up in here. Because when I tell you I'm fighting, I am fighting fighting my tears right now okay i'm fighting my tears so i was like i don't want to participate like i don't want to answer so you can just go somewhere else so someone else answers and then he comes back to me he was like nah you gonna participate because you always participate what's the problem and 
All I remember was I say, I'm sorry. I get up. And as I get up to run out of the room, I hit the door and bust into tears. So, <laughs> so that was that. Um, at this point, the, the girl, she wasn't my best friend at the time. She was an aide to my professor. And she comes up to me and she was like, listen, I don't know what's going on. But one of the things that I'm about to tell you, you gonna have to listen to. She was like, this, you can't keep putting tape on the crack that's happening in the wall. Um, she was like, this wall that you got up, there's a crack in it. And you know that there's a crack. But there's only so much tape that you could put on it before the crack spreads and diminishes that wall. And she, and she was like, and unfortunately, your wall is diminishing. So maybe you should think about, she was like, have you ever thought about going to therapy? And I was like, nah. And we had just so happened to be right next to the um, the department, right? The, you know, whatever. So she walks me over so I could set up an appointment with, with a therapist. And so I did. And I ditched that appointment for a couple of weeks, okay? I just couldn't bring myself to do it because I was like, there's no reason for me to... Um, to need to go to therapy, right? So anyway, fast forward, I start going to therapy. That year um, for Christmas, I went home to go visit my mom. And we had gone to church one Sunday. Or no, we went to uh, uh, to watch service um, New Year's Eve. So we were in church. Watch service is when you go to church New Year's Eve and you bring in the New Year's in church. So at one point of the service, they have an altar call and I, you know, we go up and the lady started praying, praying for me. Right. And when I tell you, she read me to filth, baby read me to filth. And she was like, you will no longer from this day forward, you will no longer deal with the feeling of loneliness. She was like, because you dealing with this has opened up a lot of doors and that you should not have walked through. Um, and from that point on, I never felt that was that, that was the defining moment for me and God in our relationship. I went, I remember going back to San Diego and was like testing, like I was waiting for my quote unquote church high to wear off. So that way I could get back to normal of my normal shebang. But in fact, that feeling of loneliness had departed from me at that point and never returned. Okay. So at that moment, I had that, I had that moment with God where I was like, Oh, you for real. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So then, you know, things started to kind of, it it was a slow progression from that point. Um, you know, like as far as my relationship with God, but I began to be more active with, um, you know, in church. I didn't deal with that young man as much as I did. I started talking to another guy. Uh, And so that young man, I was talking to him first before the one, the the main one. Uh, But then him and I stopped talking because I found out he was lying about some stuff. 
And I was like, I ain't got time for you. So I stopped talking to him. But then him and I reconnected, and I was talking to him again uh, for a little bit. And then, of course, I slid back and started dealing with, oh, boy, that I shouldn't have been dealing with in the first place. Um, Because at that point, it had been a couple of years. So I'm like, there's no way. I can honestly say that maybe not. I was... I, I I loved him. I wasn't in love with him, but I did love him a lot. And I was infatuated with him heavily. So at that point, I was like, there's no way for me to get rid of him because I just love him so much. Um, anywho, so as time goes on, you know, I feel like my relationship with God is becoming a little bit more and more. The next big thing that like kind of catapulted, um, my relationship. I will tell you this. Side note. Um, one of the things that catapulted my faith was watching my godparents go through a situation financially, right? So they were dealing, they were, I think they were like trying to buy a house. They were in preparation to buy a house. So like at this point, my goddad was like, we need to get our credit together, pay off our debts, all of the things, all of the things, all of the things. And so he was telling us about it. And it had gotten to a point where they were finally like debt free. And so he was just kind of explaining how, how things happened with that. And so I had a moment too, where I was like, okay, God, if you did it for them, I know you could do it for me. So let's see what you about. And sure enough, the thing started to happen where I was like, oh my God. So that was a big pivotal moment for like my, my faith building of my faith in God. So, um, so that was that. So fast forward a few years, um, at this point, I think it's like 20. So 2017, right. Um, I graduated from college with my associate's degree. Um, and that was a big thing. And then, uh, um, I had gotten a job 2018. Okay. So 2017 was a good year, right? We're full fledged. Like we are doing it. We're in it. We're, we're, we're here. Right. Um, still in church. You know, I did go back and ask God, hey, God, forgive me for praying what I prayed and was like, I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing or whatever, because now I have made a decision in my mind where I was like, I don't actually want to deal with homie, but I don't know how to stop dealing with him. So I did get to that point eventually. So I was like, I don't want to deal with him anymore, but he has this weird hold over me that I just can't tell him no. And so... I did see him from time to time. It wasn't often, but I did. I continued because I just couldn't get away from it. So at this point, I'm my prayer has changed, right? And I'm just like, God, I need your help because I don't want to do this. I don't want to I don't want to deal with him anymore because I'm not supposed to be dealing with this man. So so that was that. Um 2018 was the year that I met my ex. Okay. Now this is when, so 
I've had progression as far as like my relationship with God. My relationship with God during this time just kind of progressively kept building, right? Um, a lot of it had to do with the fact that now I was in a leadership role. Um, I was now the youth leader of our church. I was real heavy in the youth department of our jurisdiction. So now I'm dealing with a lot of um, a lot of leadership, right? And so I'm maturing. I'm learning more. One of the greatest things that I appreciate um, about the about my godfather is that he is an intellect just like I am. So we are very, very much right brain people, him and I. And so the way that he he teaches, he's a teacher. Okay. He's naturally a teacher. So um one of the things that he always taught us was read the Bible for yourself, study the Bible for yourself. And then when he would preach, he always took us back to the Bible. So like that foundation for me is really what helped with, with my maturation, with my relationship with God. So I would say from like 2000, like the end of 2016 to 2007, uh, to the beginning of 2018 was a time for me where I really was like, I'm, you know, studying, like we're studying, we're in church. Um, every now and again, I would have to do like, I would have to preach, give an inspirational message at our church or just kind of whatever we were doing. So at this point, I'm like in the pulpit every now and again during a church service. Um, So a lot of my maturation just kind of came from being in positions, not even just because I necessarily wanted to, but because I had a lot of people around me that were pushing me to be better. So I was always put in places of, hey, we need you to speak on this Sunday. You need to give a message on this Sunday. Here is um, a theme or a Bible verse. And you need to give like a quick short message using that Bible verse. Different things like that. I kept being put in positions like that. So it forced me to um, to study my Bible. So my knowledge and my, mat- like I said, just my maturation um, just kind of grew because of that, right? But for me, I think a lot of the things that I find very pivotal in my relationship with God was just things that I would have gone through, like real big things. So um, at this point, right, so 2018, um, I'm in this place in my life where I really want a boyfriend and I really want to, I'm really start working on, I'm ready to start working on building myself for a man, I'm ready for a relationship. Okay. I'm ready for a solid relationship. So I meet my ex, the most fabulous man I've ever met in my life. Um, we go on our second date and this is okay. Another like pivotal story moment, right. Of the foundation. Most, most, if not all of the relationships that I had with men prior to this were based on sex. So we just gonna put that out there. The foundation of our friendship, our situationship, whatever it was, was based on a sexual attraction. Okay. So saying all that to say this, my ex, um, that was not the case. We didn't really, he did not enjoy the conversation of sex. So we never talked about it. Granted, it was way too early in the game for us to even be having that conversation. So I'm glad we never had it. 
But the second date that we had, um, I remember I went to his house and we watched the football game because he is an avid Saints fan. And so we went to, um, I went to his house because we were going to watch the football game and we cooked tacos. We cooked dinner. So there was a point where um, we were watching the game and I was laying on the couch. I had on this, I had on a dress. Um, We were laying on the couch and I had, so I was laying, I had a blanket on top of me and then he was kind of like, he was laying on me also. So at a certain point, I needed to like pull down my dress because my dress rose up from just how I shifted on the couch. This man got up. (laughs) He got up. He took the cover off of me. He pulled my dress down. He put the cover back on me and he laid back down. Now for me, that was, that was such a big thing for me because he didn't, you know what I'm saying? Like that's all he did. Gentleman, very much a gentleman. Later that evening, um, he we had like switched positions. So now he was laying behind me on the couch and we were watching a movie. Um, I think he like dozed off or something. Anywho, all of that to say, he never tried anything, okay? At no point did he ever. There was no like inappropriateness. Um, he didn't say nothing. He was a complete gentleman. I remember that night going home. I had just read a passage, uh, I think earlier that day, because that was a Sunday. I think I had read a passage. I forgot what it was in the Bible. But I remember that it was a story of a servant that needed to find a husband for a king's son or somebody's son. And so he went to this well and he had asked God, he said, God, show me a sign that'll let me know um, that the woman who's meant to be this boy's wife is his wife. But he asked for a very specific sign. I think the sign was like, God, I want you to send, like, show me that it, he that the girl is his wife by, like, she needs to come to the well and draw water the same time that I'm drawing water. Some, some like that. But it was very specific. Like, the sign he prayed to God for was very specific. So when I went home later that night after the date, I was like, God, show me a sign that this man is my husband. Because if he's not, then I don't want to entertain him no more. And he needs to get gone like yesterday. And so um, I thought it was funny, but I was like, God, I need you to like let fireworks go off or something crazy to let me know that that you are saying this is this is the one. Um, obviously there were no fireworks, but there was a sign and he did show me. Um, and so at that point, after that, that was another pivotal moment where like my relationship with God boosted because this was a situation where I didn't think, you know, cause like I've never really had a boyfriend before. I just dealt with men. So I was like, oh my God, like this is whatever. So that was a, that was a, the kind of like the next big ordeal that happened for me that like really boosted my, cause I really started to get to a point where I was like, I, I had to try God. Let me just say that. I had to try God for myself. And people always say, you know, God don't have to prove nothing to you. 
because he's God. But the thing that I will say is God will God will undoubtedly prove himself to you every single time if that's what he needs to do. Because baby, he proved himself to me so heavily during that relationship. It was crazy. It was so mind blowing. Uh, so during that time when I was in a relationship with my ex, that was a big time for me where I really started to pray and ask God to show me things and open doors for me and, you know, just kind of other stuff. So, um, so that was, that was the year of, it went from 2018 to the end of 2019 because him and I dated for a little over a year, a year and some change. Um, so at that point, so 2019, um, rolls around, we break up this, the end of 2019 into 20, into 2020 before the pandemic, I was so distraught because I had never dealt with heartbreak. But I knew that my relationship was solid with God in that moment because I had decided in my heart that I was going to allow myself to feel all of the feels that I was feeling. Because, baby, when I tell you I was heartbroken, I was heartbroken after my ex, after him and I broke up. So I always, um, so I was, I was, I was moping. I was down and out, baby. I was down and out. And so, um, it was funny because a lot of people in my church was like, don't turn your back on God. God got you together. Like God's going to take care of it, whatever, whatever. And I had to tell the people in my church, listen, I'm not turning my back on God. I know God got me, but I'm hurt. <laughs> so you're going to have to, you're just going to have to be, get used to seeing me feel like crap and be hurt. Cause I know this is abnormal for y'all to see. So at that moment, that was the first time where I really had to sit back and let God be God in my life because I was like, Lord, I don't know how to navigate this heartbreak. I don't know. I don't know why, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know why I'm even here. And it's crazy because people, there are, um, there are, uh, people, I, I had a moment where I was like, now I understand why people go crazy after they get their heart broke because this is a terrible feeling my god i didn't like it i was like now nah, i see why girls lose their mind after a heartbreak or why females be out here keying cars and busting windows and being crazy because heartbreak is trash you hear me heartbreak is trash anywho um i never got to that point I never, my heart never hardened towards him. I was confused. I was sad, but I never had that moment where I was like, I hate this man. I hate all men or whatever. I never got to that point. So I'm glad to say that I never did. Um, the next big thing that um, really got me was I had now become <laughs> become in charge of our youth Sundays, which means that uh, I was now in charge of giving the morning message uh, on Sunday mornings on youth Sunday. 
Um, another thing that kind of helped in that situation, my father also passed, uh, had passed in 2017. And when I went to go, um, when I went to go clean out his apartment, I had found a lot of, he had like wrote, had written a lot of sermons. And so I had, um, I had those, I brought those back home with me. And as I was reading through uh, some of them, it had got me to a point where I really was starting to um, starting to study more, write more messages for church and things like that because I was I was being asked to speak a lot more in church. So I, like I said, I also had got that was at the time where I was in charge of preaching every third Sunday. So because of that, I had to study more. Um, and I had taken a couple of theology courses. Now, this is what boomed. When I tell you boomed, it boomed me in my place of studying the Bible, right? When we start studying the Bible, it that obviously is a catalyst to get you to build your relationship with God. And you start to mature a little bit more in the spirit. So um, I had taken a couple of theology courses and I was like, wow, okay, I'm starting to see things differently. I'm reading more. God's revealing more to me. And I'm just like, oh, blood, this is cool. Um, So that was where I was at that point, right? This is, um, now this is early 2020 and going through the pandemic, right? Uh, So when we stopped going to church, we were virtual even though we were virtual, I was still in charge of giving the message third Sundays. So I was still doing that. Um, at that time, you know, things got crazy or whatever. Um, so towards the end of the pandemic, nope, not even that. Right before we went into the pandemic, there were some other things like with the youth department as a whole that I was in charge of. So, um, like I said, just a lot of areas where I was becoming more responsible of things. Um, so that brought me to that place and just, I had become hungry. I was really starting to ask more questions and wanted to learn more. And I'm talking to my God, dad, asking him questions cause he has his, um, masters in theology and he's also, finishing up his doctorate in, in theology. So he's, you know, I'm asking him a bunch of questions. I'm becoming curious now at this time. So, um, so we have that. And then uh, fast forward, okay, through the pandemic, um, or no, in the midst of the pandemic is when just as a, in general, my relationship my relationship with God reached a whole new level because, you know, at that point, we were not able to be in a church. So we had to create our own spaces in our homes to connect with God. So that's what I did. I started listening to a lot more sermons, listening to different music, being more intentional with my worship, connecting with people um, in different aspects, different avenues on different social platforms. Um, and things like that to keep myself connected in that aspect. So, um, so at that time, you know, I'm 
So I've I've gotten to a place now where I am able to experience God for myself without any help of church folks around or any of that. I'm able to witness, not witness, but I'm able to experience God on my own. That is what propelled me to a whole new place. I started singing more, um, praying more, like prayer became a, a constant thing at that point because we had nowhere to go. And also, I'm not going to lie, I think that had to be one of the the... I wouldn't say worst times of my life, but that was one of, I think that had to be the hardest time of my life um, during the pandemic and a little bit after, um, go like going into 21. So 20, so uh, 2020 was trash. Granted, it was trash for a lot of us, but it was trash. Okay. For me, it was trash. Spiritually, it was cool. Because I was in a place where I also had to trust God. Like, there were a lot of things that were out of my control that I just did not have any, um, I just had no, like, I had no way to fix a lot of things that were going on in my life. I had to trust God because I couldn't fix it myself. So that was also kind of one of those things, too, um, that happened. Anyways, next the next kind of thing was 2021, um, that came around. Uh, I started to, I got back into working, um, and things like that. At this time, I'm like feuding with my family. Also, I'm having a really hard time with my siblings. Um, it just a lot of things were happening. So mm, that was kind of that. The job that I got though was, the same job that I was working at with old boy that I shouldn't have been dealing with. And of course he was still there. So <laughs> at this time, um, you know, I, I'm, I realized this was at this kind of that moment when I realized that, um, cause I was in a place as as mature as I had gotten spiritually, I was also in a place where I was starting to like hate my family. And the part that was bad about it was my church family was my family. So I just felt like I couldn't get away. I just couldn't get away. I couldn't deal. Like I said, I was, I was feuding with my family. I was, I was feuding with my siblings. Um, I was just having a rough time financially. Things were hard, you know, trying to come out of the pandemic was trash. Just a lot was going on. Right. Um, and so I had gotten to the point where I was like, whatever. So there was something I did revert behavior wise. There were some things that I did slide back on. And one of those things was, oh boy. So when we got there, mind you, I didn't talk to him. So he didn't know I was coming back. He just, I think he might've heard, but he saw me one day and he texted me. He was like, was that you that I just saw? I was like, yeah, it was. Um, so 
there's that. Um, and so I backslid. I backslid a lot um, and started dealing with him again. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it was just kind of one of those things. And so, um, so we had, so that was that, that was the beginning of 21. Then at a certain point too, I had become homeless in 2021. So during this time, I'm having a lot of conversations with God. I'm just like, you kidding me right now? Like, are you for real? Like you really got me out here looking like this. Like, you really got me out here looking like this. Um, And obviously, I didn't say those words in particular. But I am a firm believer that if you are a straight shooter with God, he thinks like he's okay with that. Respect, though. But sometimes I do have conversations like that when I pray to God and be like, are you for real? Like, you can't be serious. Like, I know you're not going to do me wrong, but I feel like you're doing me wrong right now. And I am and I need you to explain what you're doing. Um, I, I do talk like that sometimes and do have those conversations with God. Um, so, because I just couldn't catch a break. I just couldn't catch a break. So, then, um, so that was that. Um, so, there were, and then shortly after that, um, I had gotten hired and moved to Virginia. So overall, um, there were, and I mean, now, now there's been just an exponential growth in my, um, in my spiritual life that I just can't even explain. And I know that I feel like this might have been a lot of ranting and but I think one of the important things for me in this particular conversation is that everybody's the way that they grow is different for me I had a lot of like like I said pivotal moments that propelled me into who I am spiritually today um, which were the encounters that I gave. Um, and so I think it's important that, um, I think, um, vulnerability and transparency are very important when you're having these conversations because you don't know who's going through what, right? One of the things that I did forget to mention was, um, when I was, first met the guy and working when I, when him and I were working at the same place, um, I had started drinking real heavy. So it did get to a point. I did have a point where I was, I would, I wasn't an alcoholic, but, um, I drank a lot. It also got to a point where, um, I had to drink to like go to bed like to fall asleep. So part of that though, was because the time difference with my schedules were just really weird. Uh, cause when I moved to San Diego, I was working overnight and I had been working 
graveyard shifts for like a year. So, well, no, a little over that. So going from working overnight to working during the day was a weird shift for me. So part of part of my drinking to go to sleep was due to that also. Um, so that was that. But that was something that eventually I was able to overcome and was able to stop drinking. Um, one of the biggest things also for me was, you know, as they would say, adult twister. Um, I, when I started dealing with the guy, um, it had unlocked a piece of me that I didn't know was there. Um, And so, I'm going to be honest. I love sex, and it just was what it was. I enjoyed it a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. (laughs) So that also became a big thing that I had to ask God to assist, assist me in overcoming, which was a very, it was a continual thing and still is today. It, it not, it's not as bad, but it still is a thing that I deal with today. Right. And so, um, so I think that it's important, right? On my Jesus journey, um, no, I'm not a saint, um, but I kept going. I knew that there were things that I needed to understand. And I did get to a point where I, I did question, I got to a point where I questioned why I never questioned God, right? And I think somebody was talking to me about like evangelism and talking to people about Jesus. And I'm like, there's no way that I can talk to people about Jesus when I don't know what I should say, because at that, at that particular time, the reason why I believed in Jesus was because I never was told to not believe in Jesus. So I just believed in him because that's how, what, how, what I was raised to do. Um, So I also had to go through a point where I had to realize, why do I follow God? Why do I believe in God? Why do I have faith in this God? Right. And so over those years, those pivotal moments that I had talked about, those were key things for me that showed me, okay, I know why I believe in God, because he showed up and showed out and showed his behind in my life in those particular areas that were real big for me. So, um, so that's really kind of like the basis of my Jesus journey and how I really got to where I am now. I have matured over the last year a lot because I have been under the, um, mentoring of an apostle. And so, um, there's been a lot of tools that I've been given to be able to mature in a lot of different areas. So, There has been a rapid, rapid maturing process that I have gone through um, since being here in Virginia. Um, But one of the things that I can say is that every area that I have lived in has taught something, has taught me something different. Being in San Diego, I needed to mature to a certain place and I also needed to be freed from being lonely. Then I moved to Virginia and that's, I've also had to learn a lot of lessons while I've been here. 
one of those lessons being that I need to allow God to be God in my life and stop trying to figure things out all on my own, being this strong, independent black woman and let God do what he needs to do in my life. Um, and not trying to figure everything else out, which he's still whooping me about. So I'm still trying to figure that part out too. Um, but yeah, I hope that that was helpful. I, this is the longest episode that I've had yet, but I just felt like it was really important to be able to be honest with y'all and be transparent and really give y'all the real, real and not like a watered down shortened version. Um, Maybe I could have left out some details, but we're here now. Okay. So I hope you make it to the end of this episode. <laughs> it's a very long episode, but so far that's, that's been my journey, right? That's been my journey. Um, and I hope that it helps anybody who is searching for, um, for something who's been asking questions about, um, you know, the Lord, and some other things and kind of that moment of transparency that you may have needed to help you make that choice or whatever, 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 however it helps. But thank y'all for sticking it out with me during this very long process. Um, yeah, we gonna, we gonna go ahead and do that. I hope y'all have an amazing night. I hope that you do something productive this week. I hope that you're ready for fall because fall is no longer waiting on us because it's cold. Um, and yeah, we're going to have a fantastic week. I absolutely love y'all from the bottom of my heart. Once again, um, the, uh, the person with the idea of this episode, Keith Anthony, I love you. Um, that's my baby. And um, go check him out on all music streaming platforms at Keith Anthony. And then he is on Instagram at Real Keith Anthony. And if you want to hit us up, hit me up, and let's continue this conversation. Or if there's another conversation that you want me to talk about or for us to have, you can also hit me up on Instagram at Weirdest Podcast. Hit your girl up. Let's talk. Let's have a conversation. And I will see y'all bright and early next week. Okay, bright and early Monday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And that is 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. All right. I love y'all. I'll see y'all next week. Bye. Oh, wait. First of all, er, I can't believe I almost ended this episode without saying what I always say. Listen, if you haven't, go tell somebody that you love them. Okay. And before you do that, if you haven't told yourself, go stand in the mirror and tell yourself that you love you. Because if you don't love you, can't nobody else love you. But I'm going to love you regardless. All right. I'll see y'all next week. Bye.